You know, I'm really grateful to have a wonderful mom. My mom, Karen Ming, has been an example to me, believed in me, raised three boys that are all in ministry, and I'm so thankful for her. Thankful for my mother-in-law, because my mother-in-law is a wonderful, wonderful woman who raised a beautiful daughter that has become an amazing mom, and I'm thankful for my mother-in-law, but I'm also very, very thankful for my wife, Devette, and what an incredible mom she is to my children, and, and uh, what an example she is. We're so blessed. You know, this is a fun time. Lots of funny things happen. I mean, I'm sure every mom could tell a funny story today if we had the opportunity for that. I like to start with something funny, and so I found a story, a joke about a mom. You all, how many will bear with me on Mother's Day? Is that, okay, only three of you. Boy, I'm in t- I'm, it's a tough crowd today. Woo. Man, we haven't even started yet, and you're already on me. So I heard about this mom who got on a bus holding her baby. The driver looked at her and said, Dear Lord, that is the ugliest baby I've ever seen. Oh, well, she turned and marched to the back of the bus, sits down, fuming, looks at the man next to her and says, That bus driver just insulted me. He looks at her and he says, Ma'am, you know what? You need to get up, go up there, and tell him off. I mean, you need to go do it. And if you'd like, I'll hold your monkey for you. <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was pretty bad, wasn't it? All right. Let me know that moms see the best in their children. Amen. Every child is beautiful. Amen. Made me think of a couple of funny things about moms. Here's a, a funny saying. If at first you don't succeed, try doing it the way mom told you in the beginning. Come on, moms, right? A little redemption there. I like this one. I just think it's funny. If you wait long enough to make dinner, everyone will just eat cereal. It's scientific. Come on, moms, right? Praise God for cereal. Well-balanced meal. Milk, it does a body good. All right, this is my favorite, actually, of all, and that is my children are temperamental. Half temper, half mental. Come on, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Mother's Day, and um, I know we're being a little silly and having some fun, and we're going to laugh throughout the message today, but um, I want to take a couple passages in the Bible and talk about a mom. I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of a foreshadow of what's coming, but we're going to talk about the mother of Jesus, Mary, and you're, some of you are like, oh, great, you're going to compare me to Jesus, mom? But you know what? I believe today we're going to learn some things that are going to encourage everyone, not just moms, but really everyone that is here and everyone that's joining us online. So I want to begin with a word of prayer. Would you just close your eyes? Holy Spirit, thank you for the grace, your presence. Where your spirit is, there's freedom, the Bible says. And I pray today that anybody that's carrying things that they need to let go of, they need to be free of. Maybe it's guilt, maybe it's shame, maybe it's disappointment because they didn't have the kind of mom they had hoped for. Or maybe they don't feel like they're the mom they want to be. Or maybe somebody's here that's struggling because their mom has passed away. Just in this moment, lift some of those burdens. Bring your strength, bring your peace, and bring your joy. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Can everybody shout amen? Amen. Amen. You know, today we're going to look at two parallel passages, um, and we're going to draw some parallels between two between two passages in the Bible. One of those is a story about a mother, about Jesus. Some of you have heard the the story how that 
Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding feast. But what you may not realize is that his mom was there, and there's some interaction that took place, and we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to draw a parallel with Romans chapter 8, which is a, a passage that kind of talks to us about the love of a parent, because we have a father in heaven. So let's go to John chapter 2, and let's begin. There was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples also were invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Let me stop right there and say that in the the Bible, in Jesus' day, um, you know, drinking wine was a lot different than people that drink wine today. What we consider an alcoholic beverage now is a lot different than wine in that day, because in that day, it was diluted maybe three or four times more with water than what you would see wine today. And so people drinking in that time was almost like drinking a soda. And it took a lot of drinking to become drunk. They're at this festivity, this celebration, and they run out of wine. And so the mom, she gets kind of upset about it. Some theologians and commentators believe that this was a relative of Mary. Some believe it was a close friend. Either way, it's something that's important to her. And she says, listen, there's no more wine. And so Jesus then says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Anybody ever have your kids say stuff like that, right? Hey, this isn't our problem, mom. Jesus replied, my time is not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever Jesus says. I almost decided to to, to make this message titled, do whatever Jesus says. Because isn't that maybe a great principle on Mother's Day that mom told Everyone told these servants, do what Jesus says. Today what we're going to do is we're going to take this story and we're going to draw some thoughts and some principles out of it that hopefully will encourage everybody here and those joining us online. Point number one that I want to draw from this story is simply this. Moms take it personal. Moms take it personal. If you read the passage, Jesus says to his mom, listen, mom, this issue of running out of wine, that's not our problem. In other words, what he's saying is, mom... I know that you're taking this personal, but this isn't our problem. Just, mom, can you this, just this time stay out of it? <laughs> Anybody here ever thought that? I'm, oh, thank you, one. Uh, one is honest. That's because all the moms are here. You're afraid to raise your hand. That's right. Because moms take it personal. In fact, let me just say it this way. Don't mess with mom. I mean, say amen to that. In fact, I saw this, this little saying, I thought it was pretty cute. Forget the dog, beware of mom. <laughs> right? According to the prophetess Devet slash mom, in her own words, here's what she would say. This is, this is Devet's own words, and she said, tell him, I don't care. Here we go, ready? You can mess with me, but if you mess with my kids, I'll take you down. <laughs> Come on, how many moms would say amen to that, Right? Because if you mess with my kids, a mom would say, you're messing with me. I heard this quote. I thought it was pretty funny. It simply says this. Be careful what you say to me. My mom is crazy and I'm not afraid to tell on you. (laughs) You see, moms take it personal when you mess with their kids. You know, um, in fact, they can stir things up. I I made remember a story. My son, not too long ago, was getting ready for prom. And on that day, while we were at the store getting some stuff and we were going to go take pictures together, you know, with the family and everybody, all the friends, we get a phone call. And my son says, uh, it's Tanner. He says, Dad, 
um, I just got in a car accident, can you guys come? So we left Walmart and our baskets and started heading over there. And as we began calling and talking to him, we discovered that he wasn't at the scene of the accident. I'm like, why are you not at the accident? Have you called the police? He said, well, I'm not at the scene of the accident because the person left. And uh, they hit us, and, and fortunately, there was a neighbor that saw it, and they saw what happened, and they came out to get the attention of the person that hit them and to make them, you know, get their information, and the person took off. So this person, because they were angry about it, jumped in their car and chased them, and it was in a, it was in a residential area, and they drove to a house and went inside and shut the door. So the person that had followed them, you know, talked to them and said, hey, we need your information. The person wasn't very forthcoming and giving what they needed. And so the, the, this person, this good Samaritan, came back, got Tanner, and brought them to the house. And so we meet Tanner at the house of the person that has hit them and has gone inside. Well, on the way, when we hear the story, Mama Bear <laughs> is stirring up Papa Bear. Can you believe someone hit our child? And I'm like, I know. And we keep driving. We're driving a little faster. And as we get there, I'm, you know, speeding up. And they're like, they could have killed him. This is his prom day. I know. I mean, no, it's like, mom, mom has a way of stirring the pot. Come on, right? So we get to the house. And we're standing there. And I'm like, son, did you talk to him? And they're like, well, I tried. But they said that they would. They didn't have what I needed, and they, they, you know, they'll give it to me later. And, I, and so I, call, I said, call the police. So we call the police. The police say, hey, here's the deal. You, know, um, you need to get that information. If not, call the police officer, and they'll come and get the information. If not, it's going to be considered a hit and run. So I'm like, we're going to, I guess, she's like, we need to go knock on the door. Go knock on the door. I'm like, okay, I will. And so I'm walking there. Steam is coming out of my ears. You know, red is going higher and higher. And I get to the front door and I knock on the door and nothing happens. She's like, knock again. Knock louder. So I knock louder. And this time I go, I know you're in there. I don't hear anything. She's like, say it again, say it again. I'm like, we know you're in there. I'm knocking again, and we're getting loud, madder and you know, more mad as we get. So finally, we hear the latch, and the door slowly opens, and standing in front of us is a family from the church. Now, the parents are gone. And it's the daughter, and it's not actually the family that had the accident. It's a friend of the family that had come to their house. So the daughter looks at me and goes, hi, pastor. <laughs> and everything changes. And I'm like, hello, God bless you today. I didn't even know you were home. And so, so they're staring at me. I'm staring at them. They're like, would you like some water? And I'm like, definitely. <laughs> and so everything de-escalates really quickly. And suddenly all the problems get solved. And the, you know, the, the father comes home. And we end up laughing about it in the front yard. The point of the whole story was when you mess with your kids, you're messing with mom. Because moms take it personal. And I want to say to you today that there's a passage in the, the book of Romans that I think will encourage every mom here. In fact, here's, what it's, here's where we find it. In Romans chapter 8, verse 31. First of all, it says this. If God is for us, who can be against us? Somebody say amen for that. What a great promise. 
Then changing translations so we can understand it a little better. And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? What this passage says is that if God is for you, who can be against you? So if you're messing with one of God's children, you're messing with God. In fact, maybe what we need to say is instead, beware of, instead of saying beware of dog, we need to say beware of God. Because the message is, listen, number one, mom, that internal instinct that causes you to rise up to protect, the reason it's there is because you've been built in the image of your creator. And the image of your creator is this, is that if someone messes with one of my kids, I am for my kids, and I will step up and I will defend my kids. Isn't it good to know not only that moms love us and that they protect us, but that we have a parental love, we have a God in heaven, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that he raises a standard against them, and that when someone forms a weapon against us, that he rises up and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. That if God is for us, who can be against us? Woo! God takes it personal when someone messes with one of his children. Man, that's a message we need on Mother's Day. Amen. So, Mom, you're just being like what God created you to be. You know, not only in this story do we discover that moms take it personal, but let's read a little bit more. John chapter 2, verse 4 says, Dear woman, Jesus is speaking to his mom, that's not our problem. They've run out of wine. It is what it is, Jesus replied. And then look what he says. My time has not yet come. But his mother, I love this part of the story, told the servants, it's almost like she says, talk to the hand, Jesus. Servants, he's going to do something. Do whatever he tells you. So the servants followed his instructions. Point number, number two, simply this, moms take charge. There's something about a mom that just takes charge. In my house, we have lots and lots of kids, and they have lots and lots of friends because they have friends at church, they have friends at school, they have friends at work, they have all of these friends, and there's always a friend with a birthday. I mean, I'm talking about, have you ever thought like, dear God, how many birthdays are we going to have this year? Have anybody had that? And so when they're getting ready to leave, okay, I'm going to the birthday party, mom. And, and then mom says, where's your present? And the kids are like deer in the headlights, right? Oh, yeah, I forgot. No, I, you know, people just show up to birthdays without presents. <laughs> you ever had your kids say that, right? So mom takes charge. Well, you know, here's what you need to do. Go up to my closet in the back. I've got one of those unisex presents that I bought for a moment just like this. Go get that. And then in the, in the pantry, go and get out the, you know, the stuff to wrap it with. Bring it to me. We'll wrap it. We'll get it ready. In other words, she just takes charge because she knows this is what it needs to be done. Mary took charge. This needs to be done. How many times have you heard of a parent that, that when something happens with a child, they don't sit back and say, well, things aren't going the way they should. I hope my son turns around. I hope this situation turns around. No, there is something about a mom. There's something about a parent that says, we're going to take charge. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to remove you from school because you don't need to be around those friends anymore. Okay, we're going to put you in this program because you need something positive to be doing. We're going to get you a tutor so that you'll do better. In other words, we're not going to just let you go down the road you're on. We're going to step up and do something about it. And that's something in the story that we see with mom. Mom steps up. 
She takes charge. But you know what's cool? Is mom is just doing what God created her to do because she's in his image. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. We're kind of paralleling these passages. It says, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? In other words, think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, what that passage told us, it's exactly what happened with Mary. God didn't sit back and say, well, my children, they they aren't doing the right thing. They're walking down the wrong road. Man thinks the way he should go is the good way, but the end leads to death. We know the wages of sin is death. I hope things work out. I hope things get better. I hope they turn around. No, God took charge. He stepped into our reality. He sent his son into the world to die on a cross so that his children could experience forgiveness and eternal life. So moms, when you take charge, it's because you're echoing and you're reflecting the nature of a God in heaven who said, I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not going to let you be separated from me forever. I'm going to step in. I'm going to give you forgiveness, and I'm going to take charge. Aren't you glad for a God who takes charge? Amen. Amen. Anybody thankful for a God who stepped in and took charge even in our brokenness? Moms, take it personal. Moms, take charge. Let's read a little more of the story. Now, this is the story where Jesus turns the water into wine. Let's see what happens. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, yeah, 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 do whatever he tells you to do. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for the Jewish ceremonial washing. Each one held 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everybody has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Now, in this story, there's another truth, a couple of truths I want to share with you. Before we do, though, I can't read this part of the story without telling a joke. So bear with me, if you will. It's Mother's Day. Be gracious. We're all getting along. It's a holiday. So I heard this story about a priest who was driving down the road and he was weaving all over the place. Suddenly the sirens come on, a policeman pulls him over and walks up and sees he's, uh, you know, in the clergy and he says, Father, you're driving very erratically. I need your driver's license and registration. He says, sure, and he hands it to him. As he hands it to him, he looks over and he says, what is that open container in the seat next to you? And the, the priest looks at him and says, well, that's my water bottle. He said, give it to me. He hands it to him and he goes, this isn't water, this is wine. The priest looks at him and gets big eyes and says, praise God, he did it again. Isn't that a good joke for them? Come on now, not bad. Now, I'm not trying to make fun of priests. If you're from the Catholic Church, we love everybody. 
I'm not saying it's okay to drive with an open container in front of your car. You know, when I read this part of the story, here's the next point that comes, and it's simply this. Moms know best. What do you mean by non- moms know best, Pastor Jared? Well, if you read the, the part of the story, here's what he says. He says, Mom, my time has not yet come. Another translation in the EVS says it this way. Mom, don't push me. In other words, in this part of the story, here's what we discover, is that mom realized, I know, Jesus, you don't think this is your moment. I know you think you're supposed to wait. I know you think eventually you'll do these things, but I'm telling you, quit waiting. It's time to step up. She starts to push him, to encourage him, to challenge him, to raise the bar, and says, now is the time. Don't keep waiting. You see, how many know that moms know sometimes it's time to push? In fact, let me show you what the word push can mean. Push can mean Persist until something happens. I love it because moms know how to push, how to encourage, how to stretch, how to challenge their children to raise the bar. My mom always told me, Jared, you can do whatever you put your mind to do. God has great things for you, challenging and and inspiring us to do great things. I love this quote as it simply says this. It says, if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And moms have that. I've loved the last couple months watching Devet and how she's related to Tanner specifically. I told you last week a story about scholarships in college and him trying to pick where he was going. And one of the things I've appreciated about Devet in this entire process is how she has parented our son Tanner. Because from the very beginning she says, son, listen, you don't need to pick the school based on what you like or where you think it's cool. You don't need to pick your school Because mom and dad are telling you where we think you should go. You're going to go to the school that you need to go to because you've heard God and he's told you where you're supposed to go. In other words, what she said in this process, you're going to learn how to hear the voice of God. In this process, you're going to learn to do what Jesus tells you to do. This whole story, that's what it's about. And in the process... We've discovered Tanner, through the process, he did what God told him to do. And even in the end, the way it all worked out, it's miraculous how even him deciding to check out Miami was the catalyst to opening the door for for the scholarship that came at, at the other college here in the area. God showed him through the whole thing. And here's what was cool is that he knows that he obeyed and he heard the voice of God. That happened because a parent was willing to say, I'm gonna push you. I love you too much to let you stay where you are. And I want to say, moms, that's part of what God's called you to do. But I want to tell you that comes from an internal instinct, a reflection of God the Father, who is always encouraging and challenging and wanting to bring the best for you and for me. That's why we read a moment ago in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, the scripture tells us, if God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, he said, I'll do whatever it takes. By sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? God wants to do whatever it takes to push, to persist until something happens. Mom, keep pushing your kids. Mom, keep believing in your kids. Mom, keep challenging your kids. It's something God has given you. Aren't you glad that God continues to challenge and push us, amen? Let's learn about the last part of this story. Actually, we've read the whole story, but I want to give you our last point, and it's simply this. Moms love unconditionally. 
Moms love unconditionally. I mean, know that, you know, the joke I told about that mom and how that the person didn't think his child was that cute and and how many you know moms always think their child is the prettiest, is the most handsome? Come on, right? We see the beauty, never the flaws. Right? Right, mom? So I decided to bring a few pictures of children for you today. Some will see the beauty. My question is, he, he's either one month or like 78. I can't tell. Here's my favorite, my favorite. Moms love unconditionally. Moms love unconditionally. You know, what I love about this story is that Mary is a beautiful picture of a mom, and here's why. Because Mary loved her son, Jesus, before she ever had him. She believed in him before she ever had him. She was someone who had faith in him and in what God had called him to before she ever had him. That's why God chose her. God said, you found favor. And we find out from Elizabeth, the reason she found favor is because she believed the word of the Lord. So she believed in and she loved unconditionally before she even had Jesus. And then she has Jesus, and we know that when she had him, there's examples when all of the miraculous things happened, that she took all of this in, and she pondered them, she thought about them, she believed on them. So she loved him before he came, she loved him when she had him. She loved him even when he went through the crazy adolescent moments. Remember when he was 12 years old and he disappeared and she had to put an Amber Alert out for Jesus? And then they find him in the temple and he's, he's there talking with the religious leaders and he comes out and she's like, where were you at? You don't run off like that, right? I had an Amber Alert. Everybody's looking for you. And Jesus says, I was supposed to be about my father's business. So she loved him unconditionally. She loved him before he came. She loved him when he was born. She loved him in his crazy moments and his crazy times. She loved him when he started his ministry because she said, son, listen, I know you don't want to do it now. I, don't know you don't want, I know you don't want to turn water into wine, but don't keep waiting. This is your, it's time to shine. It's time to step out. So she's, she loved him at the beginning before he'd even proved himself. And then she loved him when he was in his ministry. Remember when she came to the house where he was teaching and it was packed out? And they came to him and said, "Um, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. And then he responded with, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he began to teach about this concept of God being first. But in the process, many theologians believe that she came at that moment because she was concerned about him because of the things he was teaching she thought he would get into trouble with. And so she was trying to dial him back in. She loved him in the middle of his ministry. She loved him even at the end of his life when he was hanging on a cross. She was there at his feet at the bottom of the cross and Jesus looked down and said, Mother, see your son, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. She loved him up until the very end of his life. She believed in him up to the end of his life. And not only that, after he had died, she was there at the tomb to bring spices What I love about the story that most people don't know is not only did she love him unconditionally from the very beginning to the very end, she loved him even after he had died and rose again because on the day of Pentecost, when Jesus said, I want people to carry on what I started. I want people to believe in me even after I'm gone. Guess who was in the list of the names of the 120 who were praying on the day of Pentecost? Mary was there believing in her son unconditionally all the way from the beginning, all the way until the end. That's the Mary we're talking about. That's the mom that loves unconditionally. 
Here's what I want you to see, though. Because, moms, you're reflecting the love that we've all been given. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, it says this. No, in all these things, all these things represents hardship, trials. It represents the love that we talked about earlier on. It said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. So you and I are a conqueror. How many are thankful that we can conquer and have victory? How are we a conqueror? Through him who what? Who what? Loved us. So the unconditional love is what makes us a conqueror. Then look what it goes on to say. So I am convinced that nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, here's the good news. God loves us unconditionally. In fact, here's the cool thing. It's through that love that you and I become conquerors. We'll talk about that as we con- conclude today. But you know, as we prepare weekends like this, our creative team will say, what can we do to give people an opportunity, number one, to gather for worship, to experience his presence, to hear his word and be encouraged, but also what are things we can do to bless a mom on Mother's Day. That's why we had this wonderful dance with these great dancers. Didn't they do a great job? It was awesome. We had the video. We had Anthony's children up here. We had all of these things to say we love you. And not only that, we want to do it in a way that people that aren't just in church, but people that don't go to church can come, who have all of these filters and stereotypes and negative things about church where we can remove some of those walls where their hearts can be open to know that God loves them and that there's a place for them in his kingdom and his church. One of the creative people that were a part of that process is we were talking about this weekend and the message that we hoped you would walk away with sent me this and I want to read it to you. The moment a mother gives birth, there is a flood of overwhelming, unconditional love for their child. In that very moment, without hesitation, we would lay down our life for our child's. We look at them and see flawless, perfect children. And if something goes wrong, as they grow and trials and tribulations come, we instinctively choose them every time. We might investigate the matter, but we believe they are innocent until proven guilty. As a mother, we want the best. We believe the best. We sacrifice everything and count it all worth the cost. Regardless of their mistakes and failures, we still love them, choose them, protect them, and prefer them over everything. We defend them against their adversaries. We protect them from harm's way, even when they can't see it coming. This comes so naturally to moms, and yet, when God offers us the same unconditional love, we question it. We doubt it. We think we're not worthy. We can't fathom the forgiveness that is freely given while at the same time we offer it to our children over and over and over again. You see, this weekend isn't even just about mom. It's about the fact that all of us 
as moms or those that are children, that we have offered to us an unconditional love that will reach beyond mistakes, that will reach beyond failures, that will reach beyond things that we regret and that we're shameful of. God loves you that much. God took it personal when you were headed the wrong way. He took it personal when the enemy, the serpent, tried to to destroy your future with him forever. So he stepped in and he took charge. And and he knew what was best. He sent his son and he said, I'm going to love you unconditionally. And nothing, when you receive that love, nothing can separate you from my love. You know, many of us probably have gone to Santa Monica And when we go there, we don't really think about the name and what it means. Santa Monica is there based on Saint Monica. Very good. And who is Saint Monica? Monica is a mom. She's a saint. Now, in our tradition here, in our faith, we don't look at people as saints. We do look at people with honor and appreciate the impact and influence they've made in the world. But St. Monica is a saint because she's a mom, and here's why. She's the mom of St. Augustine. And St. Augustine is someone who wrote a lot about the love of God. And you know why he wrote a lot about the love of God and why he affected the church for many years um, because of his writings about the love of God? It's because for many, many years as an adolescent growing up, he ran from God. He was rebellious. He did horrible things. He did things he never should have done. And in his own words, he said, I would never be here doing what I'm doing, writing what I'm writing, if it hadn't been for the unconditional love and prayers of a mother. I am saved because a mom didn't give up on me. She loved me unconditionally. A mom loves unconditionally. But what you need to know is that that love has come from a God who has seen you at your worst, who sees the things you're going to do and the things you've done. And yet he said, I love you. And if you'll receive my love, if you'll receive my forgiveness, nothing can take you out of my hand. Nothing can separate you from my love. No power in hell. Because you know what? If someone tries to mess with you, they're messing with me, and I'll take them down. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? In fact, there's a part of this story that sometimes we forget, and it's simply this, is that it says we're more than conquerors because of that unconditional love. God has called you to be a conqueror, and the word conqueror in the Greek means this, a super conqueror. You and I can walk in a super conquering lifestyle of victory. Not that we won't face defeats, not that we won't make mistakes, but we can walk in victory. Victory is ours because we are a super conqueror. And the reason we're super conquer is because we understand the unconditional love of God, that nothing can separate us. Nothing can take us from his hand. Mom, when we see you, here's the picture that many of us see. It's a picture of super mom. But you know what's amazing about this picture? Is that picture is every one of us because we become a super conqueror if we can just receive his unconditional love.